So thanks for tuning in to Postcards from a Dying World. This is the January 2021 Audio Digest. I'm not sure if anybody really cares that it's 12 days late. Uh, nobody said anything to me, but this might be a test. So uh, if you're out there and you enjoy this content, you can let me know because that would be helpful. Anyways, the first book I read in January of 2021 was Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse. And so I should say straight out of the gate that the epic fantasy is not really my thing. I have read heavily in the genre when I was a teenager, but I think George R. R. Martin kind of burned me out for this genre long before HBO got its dragon claws into Song of Ice and Fire. But my favorite fantasy novels are generally Chinese wuxia novels. Um, and I get that Roan Horse wanted to write a non-Euro-feeling fantasy, and that's not that weird to me as I've read tons of Chinese fantasy, and uh, especially seen a lot of the movies. Uh, that being said, this is a unique epic in the sense that the setting is essentially pre-Columbian Mexico in the same way that Middle Earth is pretty much a fictionalized Europe. There's plenty of Aztec-themed fantasy and horror, but pro and probably the most notable would be Silvia Moreno-Garcia's Gods of Jade and Shadow, which I have on the shelf. I just haven't read yet. And uh, anyways, but this is different as the cultures and the worlds that Roan Horse are, have made up here are totally her invention. That said, um, she's very influenced by the region and those cultures, and it shows. Black Sun is powerful stuff, and I know I'm not the target audience, so I think epic fantasy readers are, would be surefire five-star experience for them. Uh, but anyways, the world building is in my wheelhouse, and Roan Horse is clearly a master at weaving these details into the narrative without slowing the story or distracting. There's no info dumps, and the story never strays or over-explains like many doorstop fantasy novels tend to do. This book values m nature, magic, and the spirit of adventure without the callous violence of many of its peers. The duty and destiny are there, but I'm not sure if Joseph Campbell ever mused on a hero's journey with this kind of cast. To say this book is inclusive is an understatement, but it's casual and naturally delivered as the world building is. The casual offhanded reveal that our main hero is bisexual and disabled is refreshing and a host of queer and transgender characters are very welcome representation matters and here it is done right so the second book i read was um a collection of short stories by and i'm I hope i'm pronouncing this correctly okamato kido master of the uncanny and the translator was nancy h ross and this was sent to me by curadon press Okamata Kido is an interesting dude, and the title calls him a master of the uncanny. I can't disagree. His history is interesting as the stories themselves. Edward of Curadon gives a really good introduction. He was born in the late 19th century. His father was an actual samurai, and he lived through the, the Meiji um, Restoration, the time often credited with the modernization of Japanese society. He was well-read in multiple languages and worked as an English translator, but he was mostly known for writing plays. But it's his stories that we have here. I can't tell you if all of his stories were weird, but all the ones here are delightfully weird. The book has 12 stories, all of which contain something worth reading, interesting characters, including 
19th century Japanese drifters, samurai, and blind swordsmen. Even some of the relationships are fascinating to a reader in the 21st century. The opening story, The Kiso Traveler, as a ghost drifter, but it's the relationship of the father and son in the story that was very fascinating. There's also stories of haunted flutes, phantom monkey eyes, and mysteriously... Um, you can mysteriously watch the characters. They're, they're creepy. Uh, anyways, the, the short story, The Monkey's Eyes, reminds me of The Monkey. The cover story is Stephen King's collection, Skeleton Crew. The stories all work really well and are great examples of fear being a universal language. But the best story in this collection is one called The Shadow Stepping Game. I don't want to give it away, but uh, I think it's really cool. So the next book I read was The Human Son by Adrian Walker. At the, at the risk of sounding hyperbolic, The Human Son is a beautiful example of powerfully thoughtful and carefully crafted speculative fiction. It is kind of impossible not to think of this novel without taking massive swings at the nature of humanity and parenthood. This book also deals with the very existence of the species itself. On the surface, this novel is Cli-Fi set five and a half centuries after the last breath of a single human was taken in Sweden. On a technical level, the prose of this novel is tricky, slipping naturally from second person to first person and back and forth. The reason is Ima is writing this book for Reed. Normally, I'm a huge fan of, I'm not a huge fan of first person. And one of the reasons why is a problem here. We know that Reed and Ima will survive long enough for her to write this story, or at least we know she's going to survive long enough to write it. That being said, the story, the way the story is told, uh, read and the reader by proxy um, kind of easily end up going with the flow of the novel. You forget about the, at least I forgot about the first person tense. Human Son is a great example of cli-fi and an important entry in the subgenre. And it's a novel about parenthood and the weight of the choice to have children or not in an overpopulated and resource stressed world. I don't know if that was um, Walker's intention. It didn't really seem like it, but guess what? I interviewed him for this podcast, so you can go back in the feed and listen to that interview. All right, next up is Mockingbird by Walter Tevis. I admit I got sucked in by Queen's Gambit like everyone else. When I first wa- when I watched the first episode, I was surprised to see that the no- that it was based on a novel by Walter Tevis. I hadn't heard of it. This is the author uh, that I knew and had read before, um, but it had been decades since I read The Man Who Fell to Earth and The Hustler. In the last decade, I had read his last sci-fi novel, Steps of the Sun, but I had not heard of Queen's Gambit, so I decided to give this one a look-see because I hadn't read it either. So that's Mockingbird. And also a little bit of further encouragement from Professor D. Harlan Wilson, who also recommended the book. By modern standards, this is a short novel, but Mockingbird is jam-packed with ideas, questions, and an intense dialogue with history and culture That is only possible when a story reaches beyond history and character into speculation. That is what science fiction does at its best, that a mainstream novel can. Surrealism, fantasy, and magic realism can do many of the same tricks, but Tevis is a master of mainstream novels like The Hustler, so he does not take using the genre lightly. Like a battering ram tearing through castle gates, the major themes and important ideas are dead on this battlefield. Mockingbird is one you will enjoy reading 
long after you close the book because you will still be considering its ideas. It's a science fiction novel that reverses the dystopic destruction of books as we saw in Fahrenheit 451 with a story about the power of reading and action that is refreshing. The San Francisco Chronicle went as far as calling this book a sequel to Bradbury's book, but I think response is a better description, kind of in the way that Handelman's Forever War was responding to Starship Troopers. Tevis pointed out more than once that he was inspired by the fall of literacy he was watching as be, uh, being a Midwestern high school teacher for many years. Overall, Mockingbird is a must-read for fans of highly literate sci-fi, and I think um, of the three genre novels that Tevis wrote, this was my favorite of the three. Um, at times this book is profound, and other times it's funny in a very sly way, but Tevis is just such a talented um, storyteller, you'll be happy with it. All right, and the last book I read this month was um, Ubik, or Ubik, by Deke, Philip K. Dick. And, of course, we covered this on the Dickheads podcast. And it's a very special episode because um, net freshly minted New York Times bestselling author Stephen Graham Jones joined us on the podcast to talk about one of PKD's most classic novels. I'll just say really quickly that, yes, I really do like Ubik, Ubik. Uh, the thing is that... Uh, PKD used a lot of these storytelling methods in other novels earlier in his career, such as Time Out of Joint, Eye in the Sky, Three Stigmata with the personal cosmos issues, and I think Ubik is a stronger book if you have not read his entire oeuvre, um, which at this point I have read all of it up to Ubik for the podcast, so um, it kind of takes away some of the strength of the book, but it's still really great. So... Coming up next month, um, all kinds of fun stuff, including Barry Maltzberg's History of Science Fiction, Breakfast in the Ruins. And I cannot wait to talk about that one. So see you next month.